and it's coming from the heart, is something you can't do yourself. But God will work it through you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O oh God, for another season that is called Christmas. A time for us to reflect. A time for us to remember that Emmanuel, God with us, came and dwelt in human flesh. And Lord, we thank you that Lord, as it was in the beginning, to a certain degree, is so now. That you dwell with us. And even as you walked with Adam in the cool of the day, throughout the day, O oh Lord, you walk with us. For your promise is that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that, Lord, you're here with us. And we thank you, O God, that you came and you desired to dwell with your creation. And that, Lord, you're working in each and every one of our lives. And we understand, O God, that if any man be in Christ, he truly is a new creature. Beholding that things of old are passing away and all things are becoming new. And that Lord, he who has begun a good work in us, he's going to continue it until we see Christ face to face. Because we've been predestined to be like him. And you're going to make us just like your son, Jesus. And for this, Lord, we thank you and give you praise. Help us, Lord, to see Jesus, not just in his humanity, but also in his divinity. To see him as God, not just a man, but much, much more. May you, during this season, Impact our thinking. May you guide our thoughts about this season. May you remind us of the purpose of you reminding us that you came into this world. Lord, minister to us and open our eyes that we might see Open our ears that we might hear. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, that Christmas time. And a lot of people wonder, well, what is this Christmas? Christmas is a time to remember. Just like Easter is. It's a time to remember. It is to remember something that God and God alone has done. And we need to be reminded of it. Why? 
we are a people who forget. We forget people who are kind to us. We forget people who have done great things in our lives. We, we forget people who have helped us along the way. We forget those who have been gracious to us. We forget those who really encouraged us. It's amazing how quickly we forget all the good things. But we can remember all the way back in grade school who you used to fight with, who picked on you. You, you can remember who called you names. But people who are good to you, we often forget very quickly. And God fits in that category that we quickly somehow forget him. But he brings it every year right back to us. A reminder that God came into the world to reconcile this world to himself. And that's what Christmas is about. It's a reminder to us what God has done. And nobody forced him to do it. Nobody made him do it. Nobody counseled him to do it. He chose on his own to come and dwell with his creation and to reconcile this world to himself. Now, in Colossians it says, Therefore, if anyone, and you want to underline that, anyone, as we go through this time, anyone in, is in Christ. He is a new creature. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from who? From God. Remember that. Hold on to that. It's all coming from God. who reconciled to us through who? Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling what? The world. Hang on to that world. To himself in Christ. Not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. In Colossians 1, 19-22, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All fullness dwelled in who? In him. In Jesus Christ. All that God is is in the person of Jesus Christ. That when Philip says, Show me the Father, Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things where, he was setting things right in two places. Not just earth, but also heaven. For Jesus is Lord in heaven and on earth. And he is dealing, in a sense, with both earth and the things in heaven. By making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. Where did all this take place at? On the cross. 
on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, now look where the enemy comes from. Look where the real struggle and the real fight comes from. The real struggle and the real fight takes place in our minds. God and we're enemies in your minds. Why? Why? Because what God come to do is correct a behavior. What God came to do was to correct a belief system. And therefore he says, enemies in your mind because of your evil what? Behavior. It's not pleasing to me. But now he has reconciled you by crisis. Catch this. Physical what? Hang on to that. Physical body. Through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. And some texts will use evil. He does this with shepherds. He brings this to the most, in one sense, the lowest degree of people of that time. Because shepherds were seen as uneducated, and oftentimes they lived out in the fields with the sheep. Why not go to the Pharisees? Why not go to the scribes? Why not go to the lawyers? Why not go to the religious groups? No. He comes to the shepherds. The poorest and the most individual who needed help, maybe more than anyone else. The shepherds. And he tells them about a baby. There's that body. There's that physical body that was going to go to the cross. How he came into this world, clothed himself in flesh, in a human form, that he might die on the cross for us. And his physical body would bleed and suffer for us. Came in the form of a baby. Now the good news or the great joy is that it's for what? All people. Because he's reconciling the world unto himself. He's reconciling all ethnic groups unto himself. He's making it feasible and possible for anyone, anyone to be in Christ. Christmas is a reminder to us that Christ died for all, making it possible for anyone to be saved. Making it possible that anyone could be reconciled to God. That anyone in Christ and in Luke 2.11 
he says, a Savior is born. He is Christ. He is the Lord. And there lies the full dwelling of God himself in the form of a baby. Even as a baby, he was Savior, he was Christ, he was Lord. He didn't have to grow up to become those things. He didn't have to grow up to be Savior. He didn't have to grow up to be the Christ. He had to grow up to be Lord. He is. He is. Even while he's laying in the manger, he is. The shepherds, they had to talk a little bit about themselves, about what they had just seen and heard and the angel coming. And isn't it, when you look at the uh, story of Jesus, he says unto Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to marry. Mary. Don't be afraid. He says to Zacharias in the temple and John the Baptist, don't be afraid. He says unto Mary, don't be afraid. He says unto the shepherds, don't be afraid. And yet these things were happening. And you have to put in mind, for 400 years, God had been silent. And then these strange things begin to happen. They were not something that they had heard about in recent time. And the angel appears and allows each one to know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And they took that little time to talk about it, and they said, let's go see this thing. Referring to this baby, to this story. And they didn't know how to describe it. For what they have heard even from the angels. They didn't say, let's go see the baby. Let's go see this what? How many of you would feel if somebody described your baby as a... I'm going to come over and see your thing. But here he is. They could not really describe what had even been shared with them. And all they could do is say, let's go see this thing. Let's go see it. The question I want to ask you is this here. At Christmas, what do you see? What are you reminded of? What are your thoughts? And how do you really see Jesus? And they said, let's go see this thing that has been shared with them. So, in that verse 15, it says, When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They heard it. They've been instructed about it. But they didn't know how to put it together. And all they could do is call it a thing. 
Let's go see this thing. They were going to see more than a baby. Isn't it strange that when you hear your brother or sister or one of your relatives or a close friend had a child and you go to the hospital and you don't ask the nurse, I want to see that thing of the Johnsons? You want to see the baby. But what all we just see is simply the baby. We can't see what that baby's going to, what, become. We can't see what all will take place in that baby's life. We can't see that. But I believe that when these shepherds went and saw Jesus in this manger, they saw much, much more than what they could ever Imagine a thing. And only God, even now, can pull back the veil of your eyes that you might see Jesus as much more than just a man. Much more than just a baby. Much more because he is more. He is much more. They were going to see more than a baby, more than they could even imagine. They would see a Savior. They would see the Christ. And they would see the Lord. They would see him not as something as 16 inches long, not something just weighing 7 pounds, 3 ounces, they would see much more than what they could ever, ever imagine. And I imagine this is not the first baby they ever looked at. This is not the first child that they may have looked upon as a baby. But they never saw another baby in the likeness of this baby and all that struck their minds and their hearts and somehow spoke to them while they were there looking that this is the Savior, this is the Christ, this is the Lord, and how God somehow spoke to them over what they were looking at, what they were seeing. They were seeing much more. Jesus is given the earthly name in Matthew 1, 21 with Joseph. Joseph is also instructed that his name would be what? Jesus. He's instructed of that. That his name would be Jesus. Mary, in Luke 1, 31, instructed that his name would be Jesus. They were told what to call him, what his earthly name would be, Jesus. And that's what they named him, Jesus. Jesus. They both were instructed in this manner to call this child Jesus. They were given the directions to do so. To call his name Jesus. 
Savior. One who is able to deliver. He would be called Savior. He would be given the title Savior. One who is able to rescue, to redeem, to reconcile man back to God. And he says, in this baby that you're going to look at, you're going to see a Savior. For he will be a Savior unto all humanity. That's the Christmas story. That God has sent a Savior into this world. And people sense or feel they don't need a Savior. God would have never sent a Savior. God will never allow his son to suffer and die. And go through the brutality of that which he created. If we didn't need it. And he says. He's going to be a savior. One who is going to deliver Israel and the human individuals that are lost. Go to Luke 19 with me. You have it there, but let's read that whole verse through 8 through 10. 19, 8 through 10. He says, But Zechariah stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possession, Zacchaeus, Zechariah, Zacchaeus. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What, what is Zacchaeus trying to say here? I'm a pretty good guy. And if I've cheated someone, I'll give them back four times. What he's also setting up is what man sets up. His own condition for his own salvation. I'll do this, and this, and this. And I'm saved. And he's saying to the Lord, Lord, here, here's the conditions for me. And he simply said, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. If that gets me into heaven, I'll give half of them. He goes on a little further. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay. And and I like that word, if. Because you may have or you may not have. I don't know if he was giving himself the benefit of the doubt. That nobody would come forward and say, Hey, Zachariah, you cheated me. Zacchaeus, you cheated me. But... He's covering himself by simply saying, if there's just one that come and say, I cheated them, I'll give them back four times. Listen to Jesus' response to what he says. Jesus said to him, 
Today salvation has come to this house. Today. Jesus comes to everybody's house. Jesus comes to everybody. But you are the one who have to be willing to what? Receive him. Zachariah's salvation stands here. Not in what you're saying, but here. Today, salvation has stepped into your house. Salvation has stepped into your personal space. Now, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond? Today, salvation is coming to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Now, catch verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was what? If you never see yourself lost, you're right. You don't need a Savior. It's like a person who is sick but deny themselves of being sick and keep saying to themselves, I don't need a doctor. And reality comes about, yes, you do need a doctor. You may not want to spend your money on a doctor, but eventually you're going to have to. You may not want to see a doctor, but eventually you're going to have to. You may not want to go through the trouble of going to the doctor's office, but eventually you're going to have to. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with Jesus whether you want to or not. You have to deal with him because he has stepped into your personal space and he has said, salvation is here. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? In John 1, 10 and 11, turn over there with, with me because he's the Savior. And it's to all who receive him. He gives a right. Now understand this right. Only the true God can give this right to become the children of God. No one else can do that. No one else has the authority or the power to even make you the children of God. So in that Verse 10, he comes down. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not what? Recognize him. But the shepherds recognized something. Now I'll end on that point of why I think that they recognized something more than just the baby. But he says, the world didn't recognize him. You don't want to recognize him. And that's one of the things that often will take place in life. People struggle with the issue of recognizing who Jesus is. He may be the Savior. He might be the Savior. He's just one of many saviors. Because people struggle with the issue 
of who Jesus is. And he goes on and he says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all, yet to all, not just to Israel, but to all humanity. Why? Because he came to reconcile this world to God. He opens the door for all who received him. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave them the right. Now, the only one who can give that right is God himself, that you become a child of God. It's not something you just choose and you wake up and say, well, today I'm going to be a child of God. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Coming through Jesus Christ and knowing that you receive the power to become something that you are not. Why do all this take place? Simply because of Acts 3.23. And you have that word all again. All have what? If you have not sinned, you're right. You don't need a Savior. But if you have sinned, you need a Savior. If you have sinned, you need to be reconciled to God. You need a Savior. And he says, in that manger... In that baby, you're going to see a Savior in Jesus Christ. Now, he has been made a Savior for all people. Not just some. But to all who will receive him, he's been made a Savior. This Savior, according to Luke 2.11, also has this title. It's synonymous sometimes with Jesus. But there's a difference with Jesus and Christ. Jesus, same for me, Lord saves. Hebrew, Joshua, Lord saves, Lord delivers. Christ takes us a step further. Christ, you will not find in Scripture where anybody is instructed to call Jesus Christ. And there's another amazing thing that you need to search for and look for. Arguments always come down about Jesus. But the issue boils down to this. Who is this Jesus that never really want to be answered? Or argued about. Nowhere else in religion do you find the name Christ other than Christianity. Christ. 
is only mentioned in Christianity. And I think it's something that God himself preserved. Because Christ is the Messiah or the Anointed One. And is not used anywhere else but in Christianity. And Luke says, Jesus, this baby that you're going to see, not only will you see him as Savior, but you're going to see him as Christ, the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament, the Anointed One. And there were basically only three officers or offices that was basically chosen and anointed. Prophet, priest, and king. Which Jesus holds all three. Jesus holds all three. And these men are seeing much more, much, much more than a baby in a manger. Micah speaks about him as being the ruler. Matthew 1.17. Go there with me. Look what it says. And it's strange how it's just, in a sense, dropped in. How the Holy Spirit just drops it in on us. He says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born, who? Jesus. Listen here now. Who is also called who? Christ. Who is also called Christ. If I may take the liberty, and that's what I'm doing, Christ is that divine name. Jesus is that earthly name. Christ, that divine name. Jesus, that earthly name. Because nowhere do we find where people were instructed to really call Jesus Christ. It's something you have to come to and see him. As the Messiah, and I hope to show you that in Scripture. That you have to come to a place to really see him as the Christ. You see him as the Jesus, but do you see him as Christ? Do you really see him as Lord? Or do you just see him as Jesus, a man? The historical man. Christ is another word for Messiah and anointed one. And God's chosen or empowered. And we just talked about that whole area of those three areas. Prophet, priest, and king. But in Matthew 2, 4, something takes place. Go there with me in chapter 2 and verse 4. And it's the Magi's who come. And they come looking for who? The king of the Jews. The one who would be 
called the king of the Jews, who had been born, who would be king of the Jews. And that kind of upset Herod and troubled all Jerusalem. But what I want you to catch is this. The question that Herod asked the scribes. The question that Herod asked. Herod didn't ask, where would this Jesus be born? He didn't ask that. Do you know this man named Jesus? He didn't ask that. Getting at verse 4. Let me find it. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Where the Christ was to be born. Where the Christ was going to be born. What he's asking is this Where is this Messiah? going to be born? Where is this anointed one of God? Where is he going to be born? That's what he's really asking. Because Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one. And he's asking about where is this Christ going to be born? Not Jesus. Not Jesus, but this Christ. Where was this Christ going to be born? Now, the whole process in John 12, 42. Take a look at the arguments that's going on. Then what I want you to look at, too, is who are they arguing with? Who are they arguing with? And... It's so important that you understand something. You can see the historical Jesus. You can see Jesus the man. But do you see Christ the Messiah, the anointed one of God? Can you see him in the person of Jesus? And, and that's important to be able to capture. So, let me get over there at it. Yet, at the same time, many, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, now, now catch what's going to be said, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue for they love the praises from men more than the praises of God. They would not confess. What is it that they would not confess? They would not confess that Jesus was the Christ. Why? To confess that Jesus is the Christ. Now, catch a lot of arguments. And I've listened to a lot of arguments that come across. I can argue about who Jesus is all day long as long as I don't include 
and saying he is the Christ. Because the moment I move him to being the Christ, then I have moved him from being the Messiah of the Old Testament that was promised to come and that he is the anointed one of God, the one who is to come. And I lead the argument of just the man Jesus. And now I have to deal with him as Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And if I really want to bring it down, it comes to this, the chosen one of God. The chosen one of God. Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for their, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, go to Matthew 26 with me. Look who they are speaking to. Look what they are requesting for him to confess or to say. Because in this part, you catch the whole picture in a sense. I can accept Jesus because Jesus is just a man. Jesus is Joseph's son. Jesus is the son of Mary. Jesus is that young boy that we knew as the carpenter. Uh, Jesus is that one who has these brothers and sisters. But when I move him to the Christ, he comes another picture, a different picture. So in verses 62 and 63, he says, Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Who is he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. All right, you're Jesus. Are you anything more than that? He's talking to Jesus. The shepherds are looking at Jesus, the baby. That's his name that was given to him. Jesus. We're seeing him. But only God can remove the veil that you can see him as Christ, the anointed. That you can see him as the Savior, not just the man, Jesus. And he says, then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is the testimony these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are what? The Christ. We know you as Jesus. But tell us, are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one of God? Are you really the Savior? We know him as Jesus. Do you know him as Savior? Do you know him as Christ? Do you know him as Lord? For when they looked at him in that manger as a baby, they saw something much more. And during these holidays, what will you see? 
How will you see him? How do you picture him? What do you call him? For he's not a baby any longer in a manger. He's no longer on the cross. He is at the right hand of the Father. And he is Lord. And they asked the question, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes. He didn't stay silent at that point. He opened his mouth. All the other stuff was trivial. But when it came to who he was as Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, he opened his mouth. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. Guess what? You're going to see more. You see me as the man, Jesus. Yes, I am the Christ. Yes, I am the Son of God. Yes, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. Yes, I am. What do you see in Jesus? What do you see? Who do you see? And how do you respond? In Matthew 27, 17, Jesus, who is called the Christ. Go there because even... This one brings it right back to them. Pilate brings it right back to them. And he could have just left it at Jesus. But in that verse 17, he goes a little further. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? Now catch what, how Pilate says this too. First he calls him by name, Jesus, who is called the Christ. Who is called the Christ. But he calls him first by his personal name, Jesus. And then he adds on that title to those that he knew of the Jewish faith that was looking for what? A Messiah for the Anointed One. And he uses the word Christ, who is called the Christ. He slaps them in the face with it, in a sense. Point, Jesus has always argued, but never the Christ. Catch that in arguments. Jesus has always argued, because we're arguing about the man, not the Messiah, not the anointed one, not the one chosen by God to be Savior. Last point, Luke says he'll be called Lord. He said, when you go and you take a look at this baby, and you go there, you're going to see one who is a Savior, one who is Christ, and one who is the Lord. 
you're going to see the Savior. You're going to see Christ. You're going to see the Lord. And these men are just looking at this child wrapped in a swaddling cloth. But yet somehow the Holy Spirit, God opens their eyes to much, much more. Let me ask you this question. Is God opening your eyes to more of who Jesus is? Are you looking to see more? Do you desire to know more of who he is? If you don't desire it, you're right, you won't get it. If you don't want it, you won't get it. But if you seek more and a deeper understanding of who Jesus really is, the Holy Spirit will reveal him to you. But you have to want more. And these men wanted more. And they saw more. Thing to tell me that they wanted more because they went. They had a choice not to go or to go. They went. You have that same choice to sit and stay where you are or desire more of Him. Much more. Much more. Much more. Go to Revelation 19. How he is described in that. Not going to read it all, but let's go to verse 16. Get my eyes fixed here. 19 and verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, catch something here. The first one, King or Lord, is singular. Kings and Lords are plural. And what he is saying, I'm King of what? Kings. And I am Lord of what? Of lords. But do you see him as that? Do you see him being greater than anyone else? Do you see him in that fashion? Now, go with me to Acts 2. This is something God does. Not something man does. But it's something God has to reveal to you and to me. Man gave him the name that God gave you to call him Jesus. But the other two are strictly what God himself lays upon himself or gives himself. Man doesn't give this. So there's no problem historically 
reading about the historical Jesus and who he was as a man. But there's a problem about trying to read about the Christ in secular writings. There's a problem about reading about him as Lord in secular writings. Because both of those areas are denied him. Except in Christianity. And the only reason Christians accept him is because God removes the veil that you can see him as Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, and Lord. And a lot of Christians have never made him Lord of their life. They've accepted him as Savior, but they never made him ruler over their life. Why? I want to be saved, but I want to rule my own life. I want to be saved in the promise of going to heaven, but I don't want him in my business. I don't want him telling me how I am to live. I don't want him instructing me on my mannerism, or my conduct, or my conversation. So I don't make him Lord. He's Savior. But I won't see him yet as Lord. And in that Acts 6, Acts 2, 26, listen to what he says here. Because it's so important to understand this thing that is taking place. Get my eyes all straight now. Nope. In the wrong place. 236. I'm seeing 2636. Here we go. Therefore let it all let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. God has made. God has produced. God has ordered. God has put in place. This Jesus whom you crucified. Catch this now. Both Lord and what? Christ. God has done it. Not man. We only accept and receive as we receive the understanding and the knowledge of who Christ really is and who he really is as Lord in our life. But God has made this Jesus to be both Lord and Christ. Now, let's end with these men. By man. When you think of Jesus, you have to see more than just a baby or a man. You have to see more than just one hand on the cross. You have to see much, much more. For the shepherds, they went and they saw more than they could ever imagine. Go back to Luke 2, 17. 
when something grabs your heart and something grabs you and you know it and you know it and you know it for yourself and you truly believe it, something else takes place. You begin to share it. You begin to share it. You begin to share it. So, in that verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, what did they see? Did they only see a baby? They only saw a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. Is that all that they saw? Or did they see a Savior, the Christ, the Lord? And it says, when they seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told them about this child. Now they've seen him. They were told that they would go and they would see this baby, but they would also see the Savior. They would see the Christ. They would see the Lord. And they, meant, they made a decision to go see. Have you made a decision to discover all that Jesus Christ is? Have you settled that in your heart that you're going to search him out? You're going to find him for yourself? You're going to see him with your own eyes, not through the eyes of someone else, but through your own eyes. You're going to see him. You're going to behold him. You're going to embrace him. With your own eyes and see much more than what you could have ever imagined. And when they have seen him, they went out and told the world about what they were told and what they had seen and what they had discovered for themselves. It's nice to be told something but it's good to see it for yourself. It's nice to be told about a $1,000 bill. How many of you have seen it? It'd be good to see it where? For yourself. You've been told about many things. What's that thing over there in India? The Taj Hall. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen it. But when I went there and saw it for myself, I was able to walk the grounds, to be able to stand in the king's bedroom, and his wife is buried across the lake, across the river, right on the bank. But any direction you stand in that room, he could see his wife's I don't care how you turned in that room you can see that grave site and to be there and see it to step into the shower room and to imagine back at that time they would have showers but the slaves that 
took the water up the hill to put in the barrel that ran down through the bamboo sticks to feed the shower. And it all made a marvel. Something to see, the garden. Something to see, something to behold. Even the man who built it, the king paid him exactly what he asked for, but then cut off both hands that he could never duplicate it. But to see things with your own eyes, to see them, to see the Christ, to see the Lord. I have no doubt that many of you have seen him as Savior. But have you advanced him? Do you see him as Christ? Do you see him as Lord? Do you see him as the one that God chose to be your Savior? Do you see him as the one who rules over your life? See Christ differently this season. See him differently. Behold him differently. Embrace him differently. And if your eyes are clouded and mind is not clear, O Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of truth. You are the one that has to open my eyes. For Jesus said that you would take of his and show it unto me. Reveal those things to me. And I'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Pray that prayer that you can see him more clearly. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for bringing us back to a time in which we have the privilege to reflect upon the greatest gift of all. That Paul even describes him as the unspeakable gift because, Lord, even as the shepherd says, let's go see this thing. They could not describe it, and we cannot really describe, as Paul says, the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. Help us to see the richness of him. Help us to see the true blessings that flow through him. Let us see him lifted high. Pull back the clouds like you did for Stephen, that even while he was being stoned, that Lord, he saw you clearly. Help us to see you more clearly. And Lord, during this Christmas season, let us not be so much excited about the gifts under the trees. Let us not be so caught up with what we think we're going to receive in a box that's wrapped up. But Lord, let us be excited about the greatest gift of all that has been given. The gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Help us to be excited about that. Help us to be excited that we've been given the right to become the children of God.
Help us to unwrap that of what it is to be a child of God. And help us, Lord, as the songwriter has penned, more about Jesus I would know. More about Jesus I would know. Thank you, Lord, for the greatest gift of all, our salvation in Jesus Christ. He came wrapped as a Christmas gift to us. And you laid him in a manger that people could see him. And yet they saw much more than a baby. May it be true for us that at this time we will see much, much more of who Jesus really is. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.